All right, uh, welcome back to Extra AI, your podcast series for machine learning and AI applications. Yes, you're right, XTRAWAI, extract the raw AI conversations with guests in the AI space. And this is uh, your host, Raghu Banda or RK Banda. And today I had the pleasure of uh, talking with the co-founder and CEO of Labelbox, Mr. Manu Sharma, and we are going to talk about labeling as such in the context of AI and how Labelbox is doing uh, the various labeling services, the data curation part, the AI-assisted labeling, model training, diagnostics, and many other things, many other labeling services all in one platform with label Labelbox and how this can work for the enterprise customers as well as the consumer software customers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. As always, you'll find more details at the end of the podcast. All right, uh, welcome back to our uh, podcast series, uh, Machine Learning and AI Applications. So today I have an interesting conversation or an interesting guest from a startup founder, uh, Manu Sharma. So I invite Manu onto our uh, podcast today. Over to you, Manu. Could you provide a brief uh, introduction and background? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, Raghu. My name is Manu. I'm founder and CEO at Labelbox. Labelbox is a data engine for AI applications. We build products uh, that help uh, ML teams label data efficiently, manage all of the unstructured uh, data in single place, as well as help discover problems with models and 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 mitigate those problems uh, through uh, data. Thank you, Manu, for the wonderful introduction. Like always, uh, I try to start the conversation uh, with a teaser question so that our audience uh, can ease into the conversation. Um, maybe uh, I'll put this question in a, a different way. Uh, so what is that one particular topic when we talk about artificial intelligence or machine learning uh, that intrigues you uh, with some real world uh, developments that are happening currently? <clears throat> Well, I'm currently very uh, intrigued uh, and uh, looking forward to how the uh, foundation models uh, will uh, become useful across the board. And, uh, you know, just five-ish years or, or more uh, ago, uh, the whole idea of unsupervised learning uh, uh, was debatable. Um, it sounded awesome, but it sort of didn't work practically. And in many ways, foundation models are now uh, are showing incredible um, uh, performance, and uh, and I think they're all essentially trained on data that is scraped from internet, and uh, and I think it's a really interesting uh, tr um, development in machine learning, and uh, I think it probably has potential to. Uh, empower uh, and actually make nearly every other mach supervised machine learning um, uh, workflows more efficient. 
Amazing. I like the way you uh, put it at, uh, about the unsupervised learning and how we are transitioning into the supervised learning. Uh, so that's a great, uh, that's a great uh, uh, example that you quoted or the great thing that you quoted. So maybe we'll take a quick break and then come back and get into our, uh, the real conversation of our today's topic. So welcome back. Um, so let us now get into the meat of our conversation or the main topic of today's conversation. So before getting into and talking about labeling in the context of AI, which is what we want to talk today. And of course we have the CEO and founder of Labelbox here, Manu Sharma. So before getting there, <clears throat> it might make sense to understand or get a brief background on how AI projects are implemented. Maybe Manu, if you can provide a big picture overview of that before we get into the subsequent conversation. <clears throat> Yeah, so um, most of the AI uh, projects or AI products and services that are successful, that are out there, they uh, all seem to um, uh, have a, um, a commonality, and that is that they are essentially a close, clo they're essentially a closed loop data engine um, um, behind the scenes. Uh, what I mean by that is, the, there is some sort of way for the organization or team to capture data, to, to collect data, whether it's through applications, sensors, and so forth. And that data is um, uh, coming into um, uh, uh, to, to the servers and it needs to be uh, labeled. And uh, probably not all of the data should be labeled. Uh, so you know, maybe a fraction of that is actually useful data. And so that gets labeled, then models are trained and uh, then teams have to ensure that the models are exhibiting the right performance levels before it can be deployed. And, um, and of course, uh, teams need ways to debug these models and figure out where the problems are so they can focus on, focus their attention in the next iteration to improve the model performance in those areas. And so when the models are deployed again, uh, they are uh, out there, they're serving again these products and services which ultimately is fueling the growth of those uh, applications and it's creating more data. And so it is really that behind the scene data engine, the closed loop pipeline that these teams have that seems to be common across all successful AI projects. And, um, and, and that is, um, I think that is kind of a great recipe and great sort of uh, best practice, I, I would say uh, for, uh, 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 for AI, for new AI initiatives in the enterprise mm -hmm. in, in uh, across the teams. And, um, and, and of course, like this closed loop system, um, uh, you have to always start from somewhere. Like the, sometimes there's this cold start problem where the, you don't actually have an AI model. You're basically um, have just products and services. They're collecting, they're creating a whole bunch of data. Mm -hmm. um, and so teams have to um, make a call where like, can they, um, jumpstart um, their uh, AI projects with some sort of a human in the loop workflow, or will they have to wait to collect enough information, build these models, and then deploy those models in the front lines, and then of course have human in the loop workflows behind that model. And we see both options, we see both strategies work, but um, generally speaking, that is how successful AI projects get implemented in real world. Mm -hmm. 
Great. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of buzz around this, how we use the data, how we leverage the data and how we use data while building these models that really make sense out of it. So you have articulated or you have, you have uh, realistically highlighted all the basic steps that are needed in the various stages of an AI project. Maybe do you want to elaborate it a bit more before we get into the concepts of why labeling is needed, why it is being talked a lot nowadays compared to in the past? Yeah, for sure. So um, there are a number of ways machine learning systems are built today. There are models that are literally trained on uh, vast amount of information that is on internet. And um, there are strategies where like GPT-3 where, you know, you can sort of take uh, a token, uh, a piece of text out and uh, train the model to predict that missing piece. And you can evaluate if it, it's caught right or not, because you kind of already know the answer. And so a lot of these foundation models are trained like that. But then um, most um, uh, real world applications uh, of machine learning that we see being adopted across the board are also supervised machine learning. Mm -hmm. Supervised machine learning requires, again, fusion of just the raw information as well as a semantic layer, which are the labels. And, and those two things are sent to the model for, for sent to the neural network for training. And um, even, um, even the foundation models or even sort of these things that are trained on the internet, they they kind of need fine tuning into the business context so that these models actually work better. They're more aligned with um, the organization's goals and the products and services experience. And, and that fine tuning actually happens most likely with supervised machine learning techniques. So even if let's say you start with a GPT-3 model, um, you actually want to tune it with um, uh, labeled data, the human labeled data to, to make it work for the context. And, um, and there are a number of ways to actually uh, label data, right? So there are uh, human computer interfaces where um, the annotators are actually labeling the data, uh, but there are programmatic approaches where you could kind of write some rejects logic or, or sort of functions to automatically make a guess on, on the data. And again, we can go in, on those topics in a bit, but um, generally speaking, that is why, um, labels are so important like they are basically the semantic layer uh, or, or, or sort of a way for us to um, tell neural networks what a piece of uh, information or pattern means uh, and so it learns to predict uh, predict it that way um, and of course there are so many different ways for labeling the data and right. um, or, or getting the labels right. um, and uh, and and um, teams there, there's actually not a silver bullet to a single strategy uh, for mm -hmm. labeling the data uh, it actually is very contextual uh, on the use cases. So there are times where like, you basically have to uh, have humans label that data. There are times where you can actually bootstrap with noisy labels, with no like, lots of metadata and so forth. And, um, and I think the key thing for machine learning teams is to, uh, to, to choose the right strategy, choose the right tool and workflow for the application, for the use case that they are going after. So is there, uh, uh, I like the way you put it, like, so is there a, a particular right way or the right strategy when you talk about, I do the, because we, we keep, uh, I know labeling has come into, into force. I think maybe the last couple of years, I think it's been talked a lot more. Um, maybe 
during COVID times or during this digital transformation that happened at a faster pace during COVID times. I think this uh, th th there's been an explosion of these labeling techniques, right? So is there any particular thing that you um, foresee has been helping the customers and the enterprises more compared to the other techniques like you, you've mentioned already that programmatic way of doing it and then manual way of doing it and other things. Any thoughts around that, Manu? Yeah, like I said, I don't think there is actually a silver bullet to uh, one way of doing things. I think um, the reason we are seeing the explosion of uh, data labeling techniques and 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 solutions is because the uh, because it is a um, um, because the 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 amount of sh the sheer amount of use cases of AI within the companies around the world are there's so, there's so many use cases there's so much sort of excitement and demand that um, what we are seeing is that there's all these kind of edge cases or all kinds of like snowflake use cases where. You've got a classic example of Tesla Autopilot, and and they and of course it's all public what they say, how they do labeling, and so forth. They're largely human-driven labeling, but now they're starting to use synthetic data to augment that um, and, and computational ways. But then on the other hand, in the NLP realm, you've got um, uh, kind of unsupervised learning techniques. Uh, you've got um, kind of this rejects. Classically, people used to use mm -hmm. rejects rules to automatically like extract entities, and now it's become more generalized functions. So um, the the it is really depend. Again, these use cases are so different. Um, right. They don't have. They don't have. They don't need to have the same tools to arrive at labels. However, generally speaking, what has been uh, a common thread among all of this is that there is a closed loop data engine behind the scene, meaning that there is a, fundamentally the same workflow. Uh, mm -hmm. You do need to generate labels some one way or the other. Model needs to be trained. Then the model have to be tested and evaluated against a, uh, you know, uh, to ensure that the models are performing well for the scenarios it is being designed for. And then they are pushed um, uh, to production. Now, what I've seen um, uh, from our vantage point work uh, quite effectively is fusion of all of these techniques in a, um, uh, in a, uh, uh, simple and intuitive experience. What I mean by that is um, machine learning teams should be uh, finding all of the ways to pre-label the data. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is, let's say, all of the like documents or images or video coming from the sensors. They all have metadata. They all have like um, context about when it was captured, in what context, etc. And so uh, I think there's a lot of information. There's a lot of um, uh, uh, signal that we can derive that machine learning teams uh, can uh, utilize uh, to uh, to predict what a potential label could be. Mm -hmm. What's a real example for that? Let's say if it's a satellite image for uh, you know if a satellite is taking an image of a ship uh, somewhere in the ocean. Well, um, how would you know that there's a ship or not? Well, one way to do that is you kind of know if a ship if there's a ship, there's probably a radar signal or a radio signal. Um, and it creates wake, and, and in a daylight, wake can be seen. It's like a white, you know, V-shaped thing behind the ship. So you can kind of make a guess, like there's probably a ship there. You don't need to have a human to do that. You kind of like programmatically kind of arrive to that pre-label. And so machine learning teams, you should be using all of these techniques, all of these smart ways to predict what there could be on the on on the data. 
and then of course um, use human um, uh, human judgment when it's absolutely needed and human judgment can be mostly taking reviewing these um, predictions and um, uh, and editing them and usually like if products are very well built and thoughtfully designed the cost of editing cost of reviewing is far lower than cost of creation of these labels from the first place mm -hmm. and so um and so that is uh, that is kind of a strategy that is kind of the 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 workflow we are seeing um work incredibly well um and i think that uh, it's going to probably be true uh, for for most teams Mm -hmm. Amazing. I think, uh, yeah, that's a great way of uh, putting it all together, uh, Manu. So before we go on a break, maybe could you highlight where uh, label box labeling techniques uh, would help uh, enhance an AI implementation project or improve or make it better? Uh, and then we can come back and talk much more deeper into that. Yeah, label box is used across all major industries. Um, you know, from financial fintech uh, uh, kind of uh, use cases all the way to uh, computer vision and medical imaging, and uh, even uh, companies that are developing large language models or utilizing large language models for their kind of products and services. So we, as a uh, our, our products are uh, the way to think about label box is it is a general purpose um, uh, AI development. Um, toolkit that uh, can be used across data modalities. So we support mm -hmm. text, we support conversations, we support images, video, medical imaging, maps. And um, so if you're, if you are building AI, let's say using doc, uh, on documents or text or uh, chats, uh, conversation, uh, there's very high likelihood that you uh, want to look at Labelbox and uh, the, 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 the tools and workflows that Labelbox provides. And um, the benefit with using Labelbox is that it is, um, uh, it is by far the most comprehensive solution for uh, data management um, and data labeling and model performance management all in a single platform so that teams can very quickly um, start focusing on improving their model performance and getting these models into production and driving revenue rather than um, building a whole lot of tools uh, and workflows and stitching those things together uh, internally, which is even today, most machine learning teams are kind of doing that uh, today. They're, 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 uh, 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 they have ongoing internal tools, internal platforms that are being um, built to, um, to essentially do things that now are commercially available. Great, great. Uh, so... Uh, maybe I think uh, let us take a quick break. I know uh, I would want to give the audience a bit of uh, time to digest all this information. And then we come back and then we maybe we can go into a bit more into the enterprise software or the, and the consumer software related use cases. And then we can dive a bit into that. All right, uh, welcome back. So we've been having an interesting conversation uh, about data labeling techniques and uh, how, uh, and we briefly also saw how Labelbox can help in these uh, AI implementation projects in the context of doing data labeling. <laughs> so coming back to that question, I think where we took off uh, 
Manu, uh, before our break. Could we talk a bit more on how label box is helping maybe uh, the enterprise software customers or I know level box is helping in all these different fields like you mentioned already, uh, but could you uh, elaborate a bit more on how it differentiates between an enterprise software customers versus the consumer software customers or how easy it is to use label box, whichever uh, set of customers you're talking about? Yeah, we, we are primarily serving enterprise uh, uh, companies that are um, that believe that AI is their strategic um, goal, meaning that their products and services are um, going to be uh, utilizing AI systems that the companies are going to build it themselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, so uh, within an enterprise, usually there is not a single. It's uh, usually there are multiple AI use cases. Obviously, an enterprise have multiple products and business units, and um, so um, so. Uh, um, what we what we usually see in enterprises that company there are different teams, and all these different teams would have started using their own kind of whatever to, solution they, they have, have uh, so they have they might have found uh, to be interesting for them or useful for them at that time they may have outsourced the data labeling to human labelers they may have bought some tools themselves for um, again building kind of ml systems but when uh, enterprise teams bec uh, when enterprises starts to um, see more and more teams also developing ai products and ai, AI systems uh, w w usually we see that teams have very fragmented process, fragmented tools, fragmented sort of um, vendors for data labeling and so forth. And, uh, and, and this is where Labelbox becomes so powerful. Of course, we sell to uh, individual teams. They, if, if let's say you're building a document AI solution, uh, you can um, basically use Labelbox document products that help you uh, natively label data on PDF, um, for information extraction, transcription, summarization tasks. And you can use all of these automation techniques I described earlier to, um, to very quickly develop large amounts of training data. And then of course, um, uh, uh, manage, uh, understand model performance and, and figure out where the models are performing poorly and, and really invest on those um, areas uh, to improve model performance. And uh, so, with that said, when you start with one use use cases, it often is that enterprise teams then need standardization across all of these different teams because IT team really care about efficiency, they care mm -hmm. about transparency, and they they care about cost efficient uh, cost you know, across all of their um, uh, uh, investments. And um, Labelbox enables uh, enterprises to standardize on best practices when it comes to data labeling data management, uh, and as well as um, model performance management. So um, uh, we have um, uh, the companies uh, that have, let's say, document products, like, um, you know, they're literally the creators of PDF. And so they have uh, really amazing AI you know, things coming up uh, very soon. So they uh, have a document use case, but then a different business unit is in creative tools. They are building, you know, they're probably interested in generative AI. They're probably, you know, thinking about how um, AI can assist these cre creative uh, uh, creatives uh, to uh, to use those tools efficiently. And that's a completely completely different use case, computer vision. Um, and then maybe there's a, a different unit where 
they're focused on customer service and it's an NLP use case uh, on text and chat. So um, with Labelbox, these enterprises can essentially um, uh, have the same uh, workflow and same tools uh, ultimately. So it's connecting with Databricks, it's connecting with um, the cloud providers where the data may be stored um, and bringing all of that data that is relevant for machine learning into a single product called Catalog, where again, it is a very easy for machine learning teams across all of these different units to collaborate on. Like this is one place where anybody can search for information that uh, will be relevant for improving the model performance. And then of course, when, the, when it comes to data labeling, they can either automatically label that data using metadata and all of these embeddings and kind of all of the information that I described earlier in the catalog itself. Mm -hmm. um, and where they see like, okay, then they certainly need human labeling uh, in, uh, to, to, to kind of uh, fill the gap and they can send that data to our another product called Annotate, where um, again, with Annotate product, these enterprise teams can work with any number of vendors. Um, so mm -hmm. it's a software product, but through the software, we um, give exposure to uh, numerous data labeling service companies that are using the same tools uh, to label data for, uh, for the customers. And this is super important because um, there are so many labeling service providers out there in the world and, um, and, and enterprise teams should never be using a single service provider. Uh, they should be actually uh, diversifying their vendors because it's, uh, that is how they can keep control of cost and have transparency and ensure that they have continuity um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and of course have quality and uh, maintain high quality. Sometimes some vendors are really good at one thing, but versus other vendor may be specialized in, you know, a certain skills. And, um, and so all of the data can get labeled through the same um, standard tools, standard workflows, uh, while focus, while teams um, are uh, sure that they are spending least amount of money on human labeling through all the automation that I described before. And that is how uh, enterprise companies are adopting products like Labelbox uh, very rapidly. Sure, sure, amazing. So before um, getting into the live customer use cases, so I have one question on the, I know you have been uh, explaining about how um, Labelbox is help, helping the different uh, types of customer use cases in enterprise might uh, work on, whether it is NLP or whether it is, uh, uh, the document recognition services or computer vision. Does Labelbox service uh, work as a cloud service, which is running on these uh, enterprise platforms or, or do you also provide additional integration capabilities? Is it uh, like a cloud service or do you also have a desktop service or do you have also other things where you can integrate into the business process? Yeah, so Labelbox uh, by and large is a uh, SaaS platform. So we, um, um, uh, most commercial, all commercial customers use our SaaS offering and um, um, and it, 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 it enables, like actually that's one of the best ways to integrate through a variety of business processes as well, because most of the business processes are digital across most companies or, or are uh, increasingly getting there. And, um, so for example, most of the data is stored in cloud providers and, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, or it, the enterprises may be using Snowflake or Databricks-like solutions where they're using that as a data warehouse. 
So Labelbox has integrations with all these companies. Um, in fact, Labelbox is funded by Google, and then we have we are also have Databricks as an investor. And through these partnerships, we have um, we, we're doing some really incredible work together as as companies uh, as businesses. And um, uh, so uh, so so that's on the data integration side. And then, of course, um, the um, model training and model retraining kind of workflows. Basically, if you look at the ML ops in kind of pipeline, usually uh, all of these things are also um, cloud. Like if you're training models, uh, mm -hmm. you kind of have to use um, large amounts of GPUs and it's probably going to be a cloud solution. So you have to take the data out of label box and put it into a computational um, uh, service uh, where you can train these models. And um, uh, and then of course when it comes to data labeling, you like data labeling requires people to label data, and, and it's um, a lot more easy if it's in the cloud and if it's you know you can uh, access labeling services um, where companies just take care of all of the people and labeling part and and so forth. So yes, um, that's uh, kind of some of the reasons why um, more and more enterprises are just choosing cloud um, SaaS offerings, and actually it helps them. Um, uh, more efficiently and quickly get to the outcomes because of the nature of um, their, uh, uh, because of ease of integration with all of the different technology stack that they likely are using. Great, great. <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's we true, see, I think. We certainly see um, use cases where um, the data might be created offline. So what's an example of that? Like there are, like there could be companies where like um, we have customers where they're, they have robots or they have tractors, they are middle of nowhere. They're, you know, they certainly don't have internet connection and they're collecting data and the AI have to operate at the edge. And, um, and so in those cases, what happens is the data is collected and locally and then synced to the cloud when they can. And, uh, and then once the data is synced, um, that's when all of these um, uh, workflows happen. Um, certainly like, uh, if you look at Tesla, like a lot of the cars, like, you know, you may not have internet connection all the time, but if you run into an edge case and in, in driving scenario, it probably is recorded. And then it's probably synced when the internet comes back and then it goes to Tesla servers. And then it, you know, it goes through the whole pipeline that I mentioned before. And so that's kind of, um, an architecture that companies use when they have to deploy AI at the edge. Perfect. So that's where I think uh, when uh, when you're working with some customer use cases where there is no internet availability, I think once they get back into the connectivity, that is where I think it will sync up with the uh, label box cloud services and does all the syncing and all the other data labeling aspects are handled at that point of time. <clears throat> okay. So uh, can we discuss any live customer use cases. We don't need to talk about the customer names uh, for the sake of uh, confidentiality, if you think so, but uh, so that uh, it gives a, a bit of an understanding like how a particular uh, customer live scenario is envisioned and how Labelbox is helping answer the problem or solve the problem. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, so Labelbox um, works with um, hundreds of companies um, across different um, sectors, as I mentioned. One of my favorite um, companies and use cases is uh, John Deere, Blue River. 
And um, this company uh, have uh, obviously uh, lots of tractors um, around around the world, and they're probably the biggest company in that space um, when it comes to uh, farming tractors and so forth. And um, one of the biggest challenges uh, in agriculture is the cost of ingredients uh, needed to do farming. So every year um, you've got you know, farmers and growers have to buy seeds, they have to buy pesticides, herbicides and so forth. And these chemicals are really expensive, when it, when, especially in large farms. And so um, herbicides particularly can be very expensive. And um, usually growers would have to spray the herbicides basically everywhere. Um, and, and that's how they would kind of manage the yield of their, of their crop. But now um, the, these uh, John Deere and Blue River have developed tractor add-on that can, that have com cameras and, and, and GPUs and it can uh, detect a weed, it can detect an undesired plant and kill it by spraying herbicide very precisely. And, um, and, and this um, application, this system reduces herbicide application by I think over, up to 90%. Um, Wow. And it's incredible. It's it's almost uh, like a, a AI. It, it is an AI breakthrough. And these are the kind of breakthroughs that uh, help companies leapfrog into the future. And um, what what I mean by that is um, now this is a just a uh, hypothetical, but it may be some you may actually want to research online that it may very likely be that John Deere company business model may be that they just uh, move into software as a service um, business uh, kind of model uh, and give tractors for free because for very large um, uh, farms, the cost of tractor is insignificant versus the every year purchase of herbicides. And if you're reducing it by 90%, like that is an incredibly powerful way uh, to provide value and, and disrupt an industry that is primarily hardware driven, right? So um, uh, these are this is a very sim similar use case as let's say Tesla autopilot. Like in far future, the um, if the autopilot gets so great, then the cost of car is probably insignificant. The cost of driver to you know on demand is and the value of that is far more than the hardware itself. True. Uh, but we are seeing these examples actually pan out and be successful. And, and so this company, um, we, we helped Blue River uh, run their entire data labeling operations behind the scene. We are, um, you know, um, we helped them automate data labeling and, and slash their very big budgets by uh, up to 65% or so, up to 50, 50% actually. Um, and um, that, that means like they can actually create more data. They can create more training, um, uh, high quality training data for with the same budget and improve their model performance uh, and deploy those models quickly. And so um, so that's one of the examples, but I definitely recommend checking out labelbox.com slash customers. And there are number of customer case stories that from very, very different fields that um, are super exciting and um, Labelbox is driving real, um, ROI among these businesses. Beautiful, beautiful. I like the example that you've quoted, uh, Manu, about how uh, AI advancements and, and specifically data labeling uh, achievements and advancements are changing or uh, helping improve the farming industries and uh, automotive industries uh, to a great extent. Uh, 
maybe I think uh, let us take a quick break and then come back and continue our conversation. I know there's a lot that we have discussed. I would like to give the audience a bit time to digest. All right, welcome back. So we have, uh, yeah, Manu has provided a great example uh, how uh, data labeling is being leveraged in some of these automotive industries or farming industries and so on and so forth. So now I want to take this a, a bit further. I know that uh, label, though labeling might seem straightforward, I think we've been talking, I know, it's not always very simple to use. There are different kinds of data labeling techniques like what you have mentioned, uh, Manu, whether it is the synthetic labeling or programmatic labeling or manual labeling where you crowdsource from different uh, people. Uh, so for the sake of the audience to understand, um, maybe could you help provide some thoughts around uh, if, if label box is gonna fit under one category or does it explain help in different categories? Uh, this is one uh, question maybe you can elaborate. Yeah, um, uh, the, there are definitely very strong ideologies in machine learning world. And I think the, the, the world and the people tend to look at uh, kind of uh, solutions and techniques kind of like from a segmentation perspective, like, hey, is this a automated labeling? Is it like a programmatic labeling and, and, and so forth? And I actually don't think it is a, yeah, it's a useful way to look at um, the, um, the solutions, um, primarily because as I mentioned before, there is no silver bullet again to create labels and, and, and one way of doing things, of course. Um, um, the there are, the the, it, the machine learning teams um, are developing these AI applications or focused on these out very specific outcomes and they should they 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 are primarily interested in what is the most efficient way for them to create uh, high quality label data for that application and uh, and so we tend to think um, from that perspective like what are for vast majority of use cases that um, uh, that the industry is seeing, um, how can we bring the very best technologies, techniques, tools into a single platform that enables these teams to create lots of high quality training data? So um, Labelbox uses unsupervised learning for helping automatically discover information, discover um, uh, similar data and like with a click label, all of that. Um, uh, we use supervised learning, of course, which is um, you, uh, our customers can use our annotated product for uh, for um, uh, human uh, data labeling. They can label data with domain experts internally uh, if they have uh, if that if they are on a specialized use case, or they can outsource data labeling to data labeling vendors through annotate. And mm -hmm. even Labelbox offers a labeling service called boost, which is uh, a, uh, a very easy way for a company, a customer to access labeling service through Labelbox. But of course, enterprise is not um, limited to that. They, our customers can bring their own vendor or, or, or um, work with anybody else who uh, also uses Labelbox software. And then we, um, we also have um, uh, uh, weak supervision techniques that we are bringing into our product. And so, um, 
pre-labeling data based on variety of signals that um, that they that the machine learning teams may have access to is um, becoming um, uh, an effective way to uh, to generate um, signal from the noise. And, uh, and, and we have, um, again, uh, tools and workflows to do that. So in a way, Labelbox um, brings kind of this fusion of best in breed, uh, kind of proven techniques and tools into a single platform in a cohesive workflow. And that is uh, uh, fundamentally how we are so different than most companies out there because they are, um, uh, the, our approach is to, again, so start with customer problem. Ultimately, you, you want to improve model performance um, and do it as efficiently as possible. And within uh, the in enterprises, there are so many different use cases. You know, you're working with large language models. You're working with document uh, documents. You're working with images, um, and so forth. And you kind of want uh, to more, most efficiently um, build these models uh, and get them to production. And so Labelbox um, uh, serves uh, these kind of use cases and, and we, we are bringing real value to enterprise customers uh, through, through the platform. Um, now there are, of course, um, uh, some use cases of synthetic data or um, purely programmatic approaches. Um, and and we, um, we don't have an offering in synthetic data. We, our, our, our customers are maybe using um, uh, uh, kind of techniques for generating synthetic data, but it's very isolated into very specific use verticals, very specific companies. Um, one way to think about synthetic data is uh, where are the games? Where are really great high fidelity games mm -hmm. that mimic real world? While it's obviously um, like GTA 4, like you can, or Flight Simulator, like you can basically see the world cities uh, in 3D and it's kind of pretty hyper-realistic um, and uh, the, the billions of dollars have been spent on creating photorealistic games that mimic the world that you see from outside, like driving on the roads and seeing the, the cities from up above. And in those scenarios, you can um, arguably create um, large amounts of data synthetically. And, and I think that's a, uh, sounds like a very proved, um, sounds like a great way to go do that, exploit that. Um, but I mean, um, you know, if you're working on documents, if you're working on, uh, you know, very like enterprise use cases, chances are that there is no um, way to simulate that in, in, in a game. Um, right. and, and so, uh, um, you know, so again, synthetic data is very isolated and can be very powerful, but in very certain industries and certain use cases. Um, and then programmatic labeling is um, kind of uh, particularly interesting for classification tasks where um, you can write um, rejects rules, like that's what NLP industry used to do um, a decade ago um, for many years. Like they would have, they would find like um, certain logical rules that uh, if it matches that rule, it must be this and you can, you can label that. And there are some advances um, based on those, those approaches. They can be particularly useful when, um, the access to data is lim uh, the access to humans uh, are very limited. Um, uh, it it's requires high domain expertise and um, and so forth. But one of the challenges uh, that we see with uh, with that approach is that the ML engineers, the data scientists, have to be uh, like very deep experts of mm -hmm. um, of the problem because to be able to write logical rules, to be able to write these functions. Um, you have to spend a whole lot of time thinking about these things, like thinking about edge cases and how would you 
observe an edge case and then uh, translate that into a rule. Um, and and so um, it 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 is a shift of supervision. Um, it is super, you know instead of annotators. Um, uh, um, you kind of are having um, engineers uh, spend a lot of time finding and refining these functions. And, and that's where, um, again, depending on use cases, uh, machine learning teams have to make a sound judgment on what is most uh, effective and efficient way and, and time, um, um, uh, um, time is, is, is like what are the kind of best kind of approach for them to achieve the business goals. Um, you know, if you're if you are on a deadline, you want to get the models within a six months, a year. Um, you may want to choose a different strategy versus if you if it's an R and D project and you know you don't necessarily have a deadline to ship things, and you can kind of try different approaches and so forth. So anyway, so I think the um, uh, that's kind of the landscape. I think uh, of all of the solutions, and um, our approach again is uh, that label box is the best place for our customers to leverage the be the proven um, techniques uh, across the spectrum um, from uh, unsupervised to supervised um, learning. Sure. Okay. Very good. I think I like the way you've uh, put this uh, uh, question or the way you've answered this by talking about how Labelbox is attempting to solve uh, realistic use cases based on unsupervised learning to supervised learning rather than picking up, okay, this is where we have to do kind of a programmatic labeling or crowdsourcing, so on and so forth. Uh, so taking this further, I have uh, maybe this, this question, I don't know how much uh, it might be valid, but I still want to ask this question. I know there are a lot of these uh, vendors out there, whether it is the AWS SageMaker, they have this ground truth, and we have Google's labeling services, and then maybe Snorkel, I think uh, there's this another uh, programmatic uh, labeling. How do you, you explain it a bit uh, in, uh, elaborately, but I want to see if you want to add anything on top of that, like when comparing with these other vendors, uh, their labeling services and uh, how you want, how Labelbox will differentiate. Any additional thoughts you want to put? And maybe um, I'll add, Labelbox. maybe I'll add one um, more uh, thought onto that. How can Labelbox maybe add value to enterprise applications? enterprise implementation projects like AI projects, whether it is an SAP project or a Workday project or a Salesforce, et cetera, that way, maybe uh, that might be helpful. Yeah, Labelbox is, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a comprehensive data engine, a comprehensive solution for developing and improving AI models. It's not just about labeling. Labeling in isolation is uh, a, uh, is probably not a good idea for most machine learning teams. Labeling should be done in conjunction, tightly coupled with ML model training and retraining jobs, because you don't want to. You only want to label data where models uh, are struggling, um, and 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 you need to uh, you know make the models robust and so forth. So um, you've mentioned a number of uh, these options. Uh, certainly, there are lots of options. Um, the uh, what's most important for uh, machine learning teams is to um, to very rapidly build this closed loop system uh, where they are um, 
uh, doing faster iterations. They are ultimately like when they have a observation, uh, like the model is uh, struggling in this area, they can take very quick action to uh, to improve that model performance by either uh, improving the label quality or um, prioritizing uh, unlabeled data in their data warehouse and send it to labeling workflows. So um, it's very similar to kind of software development. Imagine if right. your software teams had to, um, if you're building a software and if all, if the only way you can build software was by outsourcing it to, uh, you know, some uh, some offshore company, and the way you could do it by was by like putting up a requirement doc and say. Hey, take the requirement doc and come back with uh, a software and you know uh, in a zip file or something and and I'll and we'll take it and we'll run it and 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 that's how that, if that would be the only option that would like it would be pretty horrible and of course people used to do that back in the days um, but that is how um, services are consumed uh, like that's what these labeling services are you kind of give them a description a requirement they give you the labels back. But then what do you do with it? You kind of have to tie it with all these different work, workflows and all that. So again, going back to the analogy of software teams, the reason we build great software now modern times is because it is highly um, uh, efficient um, with the, uh, because of the tools and you know, products and, and the backbone of software uh, uh, that, that we use. There's GitHub, GitLab, there's all the CICD tools. Um, and, and and there's all this collaborative software um, and project management and, and ticket management and so forth. Data building machine learning applications is no different. Instead of writing logic, most of this um, work is with data. And so you need tools, you need kind of big backbone to very efficiently iterate from an idea to a model. And um, and and that's... Um, that's where Labelbox is so powerful. It is uh, a collaborative system that brings these critical phases or, or critical steps of ML development in a single umbrella so that machine learning teams um, can like leapfrog. They can, they're no longer thinking about, um, I'm gonna use X service or Y service and I'm gonna tie it with an X, like a you know, different tool. Uh, and, and certainly this becomes a, a massive internal project for ML teams and only to realize in a year or two years that they haven't really made much progress in AI and, and their competitors are going faster. And, and they realize they gotta, you know, go buy a commercial solution or, you know, kill those projects. Like that is, hap that happens all the time. Right. And, um, and, and this is where we, we, are, we are the best. We basically, um, uh, we often tell our prospects, uh, enterprises that are looking at us, Actually, give it a try. Give Labelbox a try. Ask your machine learning team about and let them make a decision. And chances are that nine out of ten they would choose Labelbox uh, um, uh, when they evaluate everything end to end. Awesome. I know. I know we can talk hours together on this topic. It's a very beautiful topic, but I know we have time constraints, <laughs> and also I want to keep it uh, <clears throat> uh, in a. Uh, uh, keep it short so that uh, the audience can th get the gist of what uh, we are uh, talking today on the topic of uh, labeling in the context of AI. So before we uh, close the conversation, Manu, so do you have uh, or did your teams face any real-time challenges? I'm pretty sure there are some real-time challenges and your teams might have faced. Do you want to highlight any of these real-time challenges and experiences that customers might face in this pro in this process and if uh, what are the 
guidelines or prerequisites that they have to take care when embarking into this kind of a journey. Uh, you mean the real time kind of uh, AI use cases? Yes. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a number of um, AI uh, AI teams that have real time workflows. Uh, what we mean by that is um, the AI models are at the front lines. They are essentially uh, making decisions. Um, so uh, what an example would be that um, uh, I scan my document, I um, uh, upload it, and the, the app uh, basically can provide, uh, the models can provide some um, summarization or transcription um, like immediately. But there are many cases where it will probably not be able to do so. Um, and, uh, and because it's probably because it's, it's an edge case or, or so forth. So what happens is uh, that, that task needs to be routed to uh, a human in the loop workflow where um, the AI model makes a first judgment is probably not as confident, let's say on that task. It immediately gets sent to a human in the loop uh, workflow setup entirely in label box. And within seconds, it can get labeled um, and then sent back to the application. So in, in many ways, it's sort of a fallback mechanism behind these models that are deployed in the front at the edge uh, or, or in the front lines. And, um, uh, and, and if there are edge cases discovered, there is this fallback within uh, a, a time window that is determined by machine learning teams. They, the, the, the customer experience remains intact. Um, uh, albeit it could be a little bit slower than what an AI model could do. And, um, and this is actually a very great way for machine learning teams to, um, to be in production uh, because then you don't, uh, the machine learning teams don't have to chase this long uh, tail of problems and edge cases. They can actually be deployed. And the, the, task, the, the, uh, the task for them is to reduce uh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, edge cases and reduce the reliance on human teams while they are, running this application. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty is that they're making money because the application is having great experience and it's out there, it's day one. And um, B, they're the machine learning teams are learning so much more because they are actually in production because you know most of the learning happens when your product is out there in the hands of customers. Um, and behind the scene, teams are creating all of this training data that they can use to improve model performance and slowly reduce reliance on humans. And um, I think it's uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic way for machine learning teams to be in production, and uh, uh, we certainly see that to be a case um, through our platform, through our customers. Beautiful, uh, that's uh, it's amazing. Uh, so, Manu, before we close the session, do you have uh, do you want to share any key takeaways or any closing remarks for the audience? Uh, well, thank you for having me uh, uh, on this podcast. Um, I. Uh, I, I hope that uh, the, the listeners uh, give it a, a, give Labelbox a try. And um, yeah, we have recently introduced a, uh, an amazing product um, uh, around documents. And so we uh, our annotated product natively supports um, PDF documents and have um, integrations with things like Textract. And uh, if you're building AI, um, that has to do uh, with documents uh, and use cases around NLP, text extraction, as well as computer vision. Take a look at our product. Uh, it, it is, um, we are really excited about it. We are seeing incredible um, uh, usage uh, among some great companies. And uh, yeah. Thank you, Manu. Thanks for your time. Thank you.
All right, now let us wrap up the podcast 34 or the podcast 4 from season 4. I would first like to thank our guest, Mr. Manu Sharma, for taking the time to going over this detailed conversation about labeling or the different labeling services that are available with LabelBox and how it helps in the AI projects, whether it is these enterprise AI projects or consumer software AI projects. So I had I had a very detailed understanding and I learned a lot as part of this conversation. I hope this is useful for you as well. As always, if you have any questions, you can directly reach out to, the, to my guest, Mr. Manu Sharma. I'll be tagging him in the LinkedIn post. If not, you can also reach out to me and I can put you in touch with him. Of course, uh, you could also find a lot more podcasts as part of the Extra AI uh, podcast series, Machine Learning and AI Applications. You can go and search up xtrawai.com, extraai.com, and you can find many more podcasts in the space of AI. If you have any further questions, you can reach out to me via my social media handles, Raghu Banda on LinkedIn or RK Banda on Twitter, or you can directly reach out to me via my website, xtrawai, extraai.com. Feel free to provide any feedback if you want any, if you want to hear any different conversations or different topics, feel free to provide the feedback and I'll try to bring in those topics as well. I would finally like to thank you all, the audience, for taking the time to tune in and listen into the conversation. As always, have a good morning or good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are tuned in from. Happy predicting the future with AI technologies. Thank you and bye-bye now.